Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhary and can't wait to jump into today's podcast episode. In episode number 99, we have a special guest, Jonathan Domsky. So in this episode, we'll discuss with Jonathan about the today's topic, who you are. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast and let's dive in. Hey Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it, man. I'm super excited to have our conversation. So how are you doing today? You know, Russell, there is nowhere else I'd rather be than talking with you right now. So I'm doing pretty great. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we are different parts of the world, but yeah, it made it happen to like having a conversation and going to learn more about your perspective on like a different side of our life like we're going to talk about more like who we are and like uh, how to define and how fi- to find out ourselves like who we are we always try to be like a someone else so we are going to have like a discussion more into it so before we get into like uh, our audience would love to know more about you who you are and how you go into like a coaching and consulting businesses and yeah let's let's get started Can you hear me well? Yeah, so I'll tell you my story. My, my name is yes. Jonathan Domsky. And my, uh, you know, I, I hear you fine, although there seems to be a little bit of a connection issue, but it's, uh, yeah. it's fine enough. Yeah, my, my name is Jonathan Domsky. My business is Untangled Coaching. I'm a business and life coach for entrepreneurs. My story, my, my uh, career starts the week that I graduated Hey, are we back? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, so I was telling the story. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting that I'd meet the woman who's now my wife three weeks in mm. and get engaged seven months later. But that's what happened. Right. And we were used to spending all of our time together, and when I came back to Chicago after 17 months in China, when she came to the U.S. for the first time, we wanted to keep doing that. We wanted to be able to go back to China, yeah, spend yeah. time together, and that just seemed impossible to do if we both had nine to five jobs working for someone else with you know two, three weeks vacation a year. So we decided we needed to become entrepreneurs. I was very much an accidental entrepreneur. Right. Both my parents were professionals. I didn't know any business people growing up, but this is what we had to do to be together. So I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm a, I'm a reader. I read over 3000 books. I just read anything that people recommended to me about becoming a business person. I would talk wow. to anyone 3, who- 3000 books, right? Yeah, you know, I talked to anyone who had, who had anything to offer me, and I learned how to be an entrepreneur. After, uh, after a couple of years, I joined uh, uh, what's now EO, the uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. It was YEO at the time. Right. Uh, such a great organization. EO taught me everything I know about being an entrepreneur. And Rosal, if you had asked me 15 years ago, am I passionate about my business? I would have told you yes. If you had asked me, the selling fun, practical, unique children's accessories, which is what our business was, did it make my heart sing? Right. To say, I mean, no, not really. I mean, I had learned how to be an efficient administrator and an yeah. inspiring leader and all that sort of stuff. But the highlight of my week was the 10 or so hours that I would spend in meetings. I love meetings because good meetings, a lot of people have bad meetings. <laughs> but yeah. good meetings are where problems are solved, it's where I could help people accomplish their goals. 
to where they come in confused and frustrated and they leave inspired and with clear direction. I, I, I designed my whole uh, work life around yeah. meetings. I was running all these different meetings in our company. And after a couple of decades, the company was pretty highly optimized. I was working from home a couple hours a day. Uh, you know, I go into the office once a week for a glorious day of face-to-face -face meetings. But I was looking for something else that would help uh, just, you know, express my entrepreneurial yeah. energies. Yeah. Tried a couple of things. I mean, they were good, but you know, they didn't light me up until a single day. It was January 31st, 2020 right before anyone had heard of what COVID was. Yeah. <laughs> I took, uh, took a walk from my home to Lake Michigan up to the Northwestern University campus. Like I've done hundreds of times to clear my head, process the week. But this day, as soon as the water comes into view, I feel like the ground starts to shift beneath my feet. I was literally unsteady. I had to sit down. Mm -hmm. And after a few minutes, when I, uh, you know, when I had steadied myself, I just realized in that moment that I can't continue to devote my life to work that doesn't light me up. Yeah. I took a two hour walk and I cleared my head. I came back, I talked to my wife. We'd been on her own little journey the last few years that she right. wanted more operational responsibility yeah. for the business. And we came up with a plan right then and there for her to, it is the best thing I've ever done. There's such a difference between doing what you were born for versus yeah. work that you're merely really good at and enjoy so you had the calling and of doing been... the work you had and you found out like your passion and your why for doing like who you are yeah. you wanted to be and obviously it took you like all of your life to figure out like the last couple of years to get to where you wanted to be right yeah so it, it was like a long process so we oftentimes as an individual we try to rush things and not be patient enough to finding like a why we want to be and accomplish. So yeah, we're going to learn more about that and in the, in the topic, which is like uh, finding who you are. So yeah. we oftentimes, like uh, you mentioned, like uh, you're an entrepreneur, your parents, they was an entrepreneur, they are professionals. But what we have, like if you're uh, born in a professional family, you tend to be like a, be a professional, like your dad is your doctor or engineer or no. like a, a teacher, you tend to be someone like that. If your parents are like a more into a business, entrepreneurship, then you tend to be something like that. And I came with like a similar kind of background. My dad was an entrepreneur, a business owner. So no. I think it's in my blood kind of thing. And he actually like, I've been to like, you know, being a professional teacher as well, but I don't really enjoy it. Then I quit and started my businesses. And now I find it like, this is why I wanna be, like, I don't wanna be employed by someone. and this is who I am. But actually it took like a few years and that's why I got one of the podcast episodes about how to choose your career as well on that. And tell us a little bit about like how someone can find out who they are and why is it important for us to finding who we are? Yeah. Well, it took me 20 years to figure yeah. out what I was born to do. But if you have a guide, it's, uh, it's much faster and much easier. And, you know, we live in a world where there is no right way to do things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were, so you, you were born in Bangladesh, correct? Yeah. Uh, so if you were born in Bangladesh 200 years ago, yeah. if your father was a farmer, you would be a farmer. And yeah. there wouldn't be any discussion about it. <laughs> there wouldn't be anything to say. If you were born a Muslim, you would be a Muslim. because That's what it is. 
if you yeah. grew up in medieval Spain, it'd be the same thing. If you were born Catholic, you're going to be Catholic. If you're, uh, you know, if your father is a soldier, you're going to be a soldier. Mm. That's not the world that we live in anymore. We live in a postmodern world where it's up to each individual to find their path. And in fact, that makes it very difficult, especially for immigrant families or you know people who are in a different living in a different culture. Yeah. That uh, there's a way that things are supposed to be, and then we you know we raise our children that you know you have to go to school, you have to be an engineer, you have to do whatever you, you know whatever you want to do, and maybe that's the right path for you, mm. but maybe it's not. And when you're living someone else's purpose, when you're living your life according to society's standards, to, uh, you know, your parents' standards, whatever it is, if it's not the same as yours, yeah, then it makes us miserable. Maybe we have conventional success, but we have to end the day by just, you know, throwing ourselves in front of the TV for three hours just to yeah. feel normal again or to have a drink or three those are all signs that we're out of alignment there's there's or anyone really but uh, i primarily primarily work with entrepreneurs why you know who work so hard to have the life and business that they want don't have the results yeah and the first and most important place to start is do you know who you are mm. and who you are it's a three-legged stool there's three components to it in no particular order. Um, well, I'll put them in order. The, the easiest place to start is with your personal core values. Right. Uh, you know, think of a, so if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, he's uh, um, popularized this idea. Yeah, it's all the outside, yeah. the outside is your what. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what, what is it that you do? And, 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 and Simon Sinek, who's been so, um, so impactful in popularizing this work. He's, he's actually kind of dismissive about the what. He says nobody cares about the what. We'll, we'll get more to that mm -hmm. in a minute. Um, and then one level in is the how, your core values, the, the way, and what are core values? Core values are the way that you believe that life should be lived, how you believe that life should be lived. There's no right or wrong core values. There's just your core values. It's a mix of your upbringing and your DNA and your experiences. And then in the center is your why, uh, why you do what you what you do, and I like to just define each of those and, and just give uh, your, your listeners just a few tips on, on how to uh, uh, how to do these things. Um, your how, your core values is the easiest to do. It's pretty straightforward. It starts basically by just asking yourself, what is enduringly important to me? Right. What are the most yeah things in my life now very important this is what you feel is most important to you it's not what you think mm -hmm. is most important to you you may think that eating right and exercising and getting in shape is really important and of course your life would be better if you did those things but if you find it difficult to eat well and go to the gym and all that sort of stuff it's not a core value yeah you won't be able to do that right yeah, your life might be better. Yeah. yeah just <laughs> but it's not something that's endure, endure, enduringly important to you. Core values are not aspirational. They're who you are right now at your best when life is exactly the way that it should be. And once you've identified those things, and you know, I I was working with a client once and you know, I always ask them if you've done any self-work to you know send me what you did. She sent me a 40-page document with, I mean, it must have had a hundred values 
And right. It, it was all really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing bad in there. There was nothing that I would say like, oh, like, don't, don't work out. Like, don't be honest. I mean, it, it wasn't anything like that. But if everything's important, then nothing's important. Mm-hmm. We need to choose. And three to seven core values are what's right for most people. They should be easy to memorize. The next step is to put them in order of priority. When, when we feel guilt, when we right. feel doubt, it's usually because of one of two things. Either our life is out of alignment with our values, or we have two values that are in conflict. Mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story. My, um, so again, they're all in order uh, of priority so that you can make good decisions. My second priority, my second uh, core value right, okay. is to accept the world as it is and find mm-hmm. joy in it. Yeah. Surrender to what is. My seventh core value is to appreciate beauty. When my son was uh, maybe four years old, we went there in Chicago. We have a very beautiful botanic gardens. Yeah. And our family went to the botanic gardens and I was looking forward to seeing all the beautiful flowers in bloom. As soon as we get then my son, he sees a sign for this new children's center that had open yes drive at the botanic gardens and looking forward to seeing the flowers and i just feel this tug on my shirt that there's a sign for a new children's center that would open Mm -hmm. it was open but he's insistent and you know how small children are it's uh i mean i guess i could steamroll them and just pick them up but it it would be a miserable time yeah we go to the children's center and it's closed, but in front of the children's center, there's a half acre of hilly green grassy mounds, like a dimpled green golf ball. And we spent the next hour with me chasing him up and down and playing hide and seek. It was such a delightful day. And it was only possible because I accepted what is. Right. Found joy. Yeah. And that was a higher priority for me than, than a pre- Appreciating beauty. Mm. If I had not done this work, if I had not known that there's certain things that are just more important to me than others, then it could have been a ruined afternoon where, you know, we sure we saw the flowers, but he was sulking and difficult the whole time. Or, or yeah, yeah, I went to the children's center, but I was thinking like, ah, this is such a waste. Like I didn't come here for some stupid kids program, but it was great. And it was only possible because I knew it was most important to me. And then I acted accordingly. Once you know what your core values are, once you have them in order, of priorities, so there's no room for guilt and doubt. Right. The next step is to write them into full sentences, action-oriented sentences that you could keep yourself accountable to. Mm-hmm. So, my number one value is loving kindness, and that's nice, but it's not something that I could keep myself accountable to. Like, was I? You know, was I loving in this last week? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But no, we, we need to say, what do we actually mean by that? Right. So yeah. my top value is loving kindness. I lead with love, compassion, and acceptance, not with hurt or anger or fear. Yeah. And then the last step in living our values, not just, you know, a lot of people do this exercise and they write out their values and they look great and they're like, yeah, I nailed it. And then they put it in a drawer or maybe even they, they post it next to their computer, but then they're done. And they never look at them again. That's <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's, that's how we do yeah yeah it's nice to have that self-knowledge but it's not very useful to living a life that's easy meaningful and joyous the most powerful and simple easy to do tool that will make your life more easy meaningful and joyous is to take your core value statements mm -hmm. and then once a week or you know once a month if you want do a process called walk the talk state your values one at a time yeah and ask yourself what was a specific time this last week when i fully lived this value it's not enough just to say yeah i was honest or, or even not enough to say like yeah I, I, I guess i led with love compassion and acceptance could i think of a real example when i did that once you and if you don't you know what do you want to do to make sure that you uh you know you do it next week yeah and then ask were there any times when i fell short maybe i had the opportunity to lead with love compassion and acceptance but i chose hurt or anger and fear or fear instead right or maybe i had the opportunity but i didn't realize until it was too late and once you've done that what do you want to learn what do you want to do differently next week what do you want to keep doing next week what do you want to improve for next week and look at where you're spending your time and money mm -hmm. do they reflect a commitment to your values or do they reflect a commitment to something else that's who, how we become who we were meant to be yeah let's core values that's the how it's how you how we can do that yeah you believe your life should be yeah. the center of that's in the center of that circle is your why what is your purpose there, there's lots of definitions of purpose but the one that i like is yeah. the intersection of the way that you feel compelled to show up in the world the way that you feel compelled to contribute mm -hmm. with the way that you seek to impact the world to make it again the way that it should be yeah the way that you find your so finding your why is a little bit harder it usually requires a guide but the process is uh, pretty straightforward you tell your stories what are your most impactful life stories your highest highs your lowest lows that's a window your your highs the your your accomplished yeah. you know your, your your proudest moments the times when you were just you were a great friend and you just felt unbelievably good the the moments when a teacher a mentor a parent someone who you love change the way that you think about the world these are moments that reflect life exactly the way it should be again according to you based on your yeah. dna and your culture and your um you know upbringing experiences your worst moments are the way that life absolutely should not be it's the opposite of your why equally uh useful mm -hmm. uh, towards uh, finding out what it is and once you have five ten a dozen stories then you look for the themes what were you thinking? What were you feeling at the time? What was your contribution? The mm. people around you, how were they affected? When you find those themes, you know, choose the one or two that keep repeating, the ones that just shout at you, that's who I am. And then you use that to make a, uh, a draft why statement, um, starting with uh, the way that you feel compelled to show up and then ending with uh, the impact. So for me, my why yeah. is to untangle the clutter obscuring our best most authentic selves so that we have a so that we see a clear path to a life that's easy meaningful and joyous that's who i am it's who i am in my work it's who i am as a parent it's who i am with my friends um your why is not specific to a you know one one place part yeah. of your life there, yeah. it, different parts of it may manifest in different parts but it's just who you are yeah. And then similarly do a walk the talk. 
you know, state your why out loud and ask in the last week when, what are specific examples when I learn what keep the same and look at your, how you spend your time and money. Does it reflect your future why or there's something else? And if you really want to go deep, such a powerful question, how could it be more so? Pick apart your why and ask for each part of it, how could it be more so? Uh, there's a, a client that I've worked with, his name is Russ Rosenzweig. He is uh, the founder of the expert witness industry. If you're right. a lawyer, you need an expert witness, you know, you could call Russ, he'll find the, the world's greatest expert on whatever it is. Russ's why, and I'm paraphrasing, but Russ's why is to recognize uh, and to, is to uh, uh, recognize a firm, recognize and affirm excellence mm-hmm. so that people are inspired to do great things. So after we had Russ's why, I asked him, so what does it mean to recognize excellence? What's uh, like, what's the greatest um, manifestation of that in your life? Well, Russ wants to be a positive whistleblower. Whenever he sees people performing excellently, whether it's a server in a restaurant, a street performer, yeah. it could be his wife's beautiful outfit or just a, a meal well-made, he recognizes excellence. He tells them how great it is. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to affirm excellence? Well, again, when he sees someone doing great work, he tells them, like, this is who you are. And he writes notes to the people who matter most to them, their, 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 their mother, their <laughs> child, their boyfriend, whatever it is. He affirms their excellence. He's in the process of creating an Academy Award style event for his industry just to, to recognize excellence in his industry. Again, we spent an hour brainstorming like each yeah. word, each phrase of his why. How could it be more so? It's a very powerful way to live uh, the life that you were born for. Now, I started by telling you there's three legs to this stool. There's your core values, that's your how, there's your why, yeah. and then there's your what. Now, as entrepreneurs, a lot of us are taught that your what doesn't matter, that we're, what really attracts your employees, what you know really attracts your customers is your, um, is especially your why. Yeah. Your how. And for a product, for a company, that's absolutely true. But you are a human being, Russell. You are not a product. Yeah. Your life is the what. The what's the third leg of the stool. It's usually the hardest one for mm-hmm. people to identify. It takes some time. But there's uh, exercises, there, there's uh, frameworks that help you find it a lot faster than it took me <laughs> without, uh, uh, without a guide. So let's start with a story. In, uh, in, in Simon Sinek's book, uh, Find Your Why, he tells the story of an Italian uh, coffee making company called uh, uh, La Marzocco. They make high-end right. espresso machines and stuff like that. And apparently La Marzocco's why is to bring people together for great conversation or something like that. You know, it has nothing to do with coffee. <laughs> now, if your why is very similar to that, if you think, oh, like, I love bringing people together for connection and great conversation too. And if your core values resonate with their core values, no doubt, working for La Marzocco might be one of the best jobs you've ever had. Mm. But let's pretend that you hate coffee. It's, it's just, it's bitter. You don't like it. You're a tea drinker. Don't work for a coffee company. Work for a tea company. Yeah. And your life will be so much better. 
So your why, your values, they could point a finger in the direction of your what. What, yeah. But they are different from your what. So how do you find your what? Um, well, first, let's define it. Uh, again, there's many concepts, there's many definitions, many concepts, but the one that I like is that your what, like the thing that you were meant to do is the intersection of what you love. You know, it can't be something you're born for if you don't love it, right? What you're really good at, you know, if you suck at it, don't, <laughs> you know, you might love singing in the shower, but if nobody likes hearing you, I mean, sing in the shower, but don't quit your job and start, you know, singing on street corners. You have to love it. You have to be really good at it. You have to be able to be paid for it. Mm. Unless you're lucky enough to be supported by someone else in order for it to be something that you were born to do. People need yeah. to be willing yeah. to pay you for it. Now, as, as entrepreneurs, it's typically an easier one because that's what we do. We, you know, we start businesses and we find, uh, find uh, models to, uh, to do these things. And then the last is, what does the world need? Most people, so these four, you know, these four circles, I know so many people who they have a job that it makes a lot of money. They're great to be paid for it. They're really good at it. They might even like it, might even love it. But if the world doesn't need it. Yeah, what's, what's the point? Yeah. It's not contributing to society. It feels empty. If, if you find something that you love, if you find something you're really good at and you find something that the world needs, that's a mission. That's something that you're compelled to do. But if you can't be paid for it, it's not sustainable. Profit fuels purpose. It's true. In order to make an impact, we need money coming in so that we just, yeah. just this model that I shared with you, like this is my this is my life's work. If it wasn't, I might have shared it with like some close friends, yeah. but I wouldn't yeah. have shared it with hundreds of the people world. like I have. Profit fuels purpose. You know, I mean, of course, if you're not good at something, then you know that's you know that can't be what you want. So what do we do? How do we find our life's purpose? So analytically, you can make a list of everything that you love and everything that you're good yeah. at and everything you paid for and everything that the world needs and see where there's overlap. If there's only if there's overlap in two or three of those things, is there a way to grow the other circle? If you found something that you that you love and you're good at and the world needs, can you develop a business around it so that you could be paid for it? If you found something that is, uh, you know, that you're really good at, that you love, that, uh, um, that you could be paid for, but you feel the world doesn't need it, can you redefine it? Uh, a good friend of mine uh, used to be in the business of buying distressed credit card debt. So right. you owe money to the credit card company, you don't pay it they try to collect and then they sell it to you know to okay yeah to a, a collection agency um for pennies on the dollar you know if you, if you owe a hundred dollars he'll buy yeah. it for like you know four dollars or something like that uh, most of which it's never collected but you know that's why it's so cheap when i first heard about this business i thought what a terrible business to be in like what all right <laughs> <laughs> what could be worse than calling people who can't pay their bills i, I just it just I couldn't imagine a more soul-sucking, this terrible business. Until I visited his office for the first time, it was so positive. It was such mm -hmm. a happy place. And his mission 
The mission of his company is that we expand access to financial right. services to marginal people who without it would never be able to borrow money. I mean, if the credit card companies couldn't sell their debt to him, they wouldn't give you a credit card if you yeah. had bad yeah. credit. And just in that light, it's incredibly meaningful. It's a, it's a, it's a positive boon for society. Can you redefine mm -hmm. what you do? So with that model in mind, if you already know what you were born for, fantastic. If you're close, you know, if you're purpose adjacent, then you know, could you grow one of those circles? And if you're still not sure, then what do we do? Well, there's two things. Uh, Brazil, do you have a favorite food? Is there a food you really enjoy? Yeah, I love curries. <laughs> you love curry? Yeah. When did you first learn that you loved curry? Uh, I think about 11 years old. When you were at 11 years old, and yeah, how did you yeah. discover that? Because I tried a different kind of food. And... You tried it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Before you had, had curry, you didn't know that you loved curry. No. And then you tried curry, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. It's the same thing with finding your what. Yeah. Try different things. Again, your why points a finger yeah. in, the right, in the right direction. See if it checks all these boxes, what you love and what you're good at and what the world needs and what you can be paid for. But you try things. Mm. And how do you know that this is it? And what do you do once you found it? And, and this is um, this is true for a one-year-old. Um, yeah. The first time that you see your child's eyes light up when they're doing something, maybe they are. Maybe it's in sports. Maybe they're playing an instrument. Maybe it's you know math or history, like whatever it is. They will yeah. do something because they try it, and you'll see their eyes light up. And they'll find it. Yeah. Definitely. Name it. Name it. Let's just pretend it's a piano. You're like, wow, like you love piano. Mm. Celebrate it. This is awesome. Like music is just such a gift. And then after you've named it, after you've celebrated it, uh, foster it, encourage it without any expectation. You know, if you if you if you say like, oh, you love piano, you know what you need to do? You need to practice for three hours a day so that you can reach your potential. That's gonna kill their passion. Yeah. So without expectation, but Foster it, give them lessons. Um, you know, when, when my, so my son is a guitarist. He's, uh, he's 13 now, he's played guitar since he was seven. And when he first started, I assumed it was a good passing phase. He had, we had given him piano lessons a few years earlier. You know, it was okay, he just wasn't really into it. And it was summer and he always liked his lessons, but he's such a social kid and no amount of, like no, no lesson would ever be worth breaking a play date. Like he, yeah. like if he could be playing with a friend, there was always a struggle <laughs> to get into his lesson. Until about two months in, he was at the beach with his friends and it was time for his lesson. So I, I went 20 minutes early because I was expecting that I'd have to, you know, coax him away, pull him away. But as soon as I get there, he, you know, I tell him it's time for his lesson and he tells his friend, Arthur, I got to go. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a guitar lesson. And so it was only like a three minute drive away, but we were, yeah. we were in the car and I was asking him like, huh, like, that's different. What's, uh, you know, what's different today? Like, usually I have to drag you there. <laughs> and he said, I think guitar is my destiny and I don't want to mess it up. You know, he's seven, seven and a half years old. So I'm like, okay, guitar is your destiny. That weekend, I spent a joyful eight hours looking at 
the Billboard 100 charts from 1955 until this was 2016 at the time. Yes. All right. So after I heard that guitar was his destiny that weekend, I spent eight joyful hours researching the Billboard 100 tops rock songs from 1955 until 2016, which is when it was at the time. Right. And I choose one or two or three songs from each year that either I liked or I thought he'd like or that were historically important. Mm -hmm. And then we next we spent the next four months, you know, listening to songs, watching videos of performers, giving him a rock music education, <laughs> supporting him, fostering him, naming, celebrating music. And you know, it's six years later. He still plays guitar almost every day. He's, uh, he's in two different bands. It's a huge part of his life. Who knows you know, what he'll do with it when he, yeah. uh, when, he, when he grows up, but right now it's a, it's a true joy. And you know, we talk about your purpose being the intersection of what you love, you know, check what you're good at. You know, these days, after six years in, check what the world needs. You know, people love music and, and what you could be paid for. This summer, he started busking, you know, going on street corners and you know, playing music and getting tips, you know, you can make $30 in an hour. Yeah. For a, for a 13 year old, that's, that's huge. So is it his, uh, what, well, this actually brings a good point. Your, your what mm. is just what you, is different from your why. It's again, talk about all these intersections, right? It's, uh, it's the intersection of what you really want to do and, and what the world needs. Yeah. And what you want to do and what the world needs changes over time. So what your what your, your why is forever. Your core values are forever. Your what may be forever, but it may change over time. Yeah. And you know your thirteen-year-old what you know may very well well be different than your twenty-one-year-old what or your fifty-year-old what. Your what also has a size. There's a size to your purpose. Mm. It must be bigger than yourself. You know, if the if your purpose is the perfection of your own health or beauty or intelligence, even your spiritual attainment, it's a uh, it's a prison. You'll you'll never measure up to it. Your your what has to be bigger than you. Your 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 purpose needs to be bigger than you. But for some people, it's just you and one other person. Yeah. For some, it's yeah. your family or your ethnicity or your uh, religion or your industry or your country. For some people, it's the entire world. Like all this stuff, there's no right or wrong. It's just what feels what feels right to you. And it's like trying on a yeah. coat. You know, it either fits or it doesn't. And so if you try on a coat does, and it feels how really does someone right, uh, avoid like uh, saying comparing with others? Like we tend to compare ourselves with others, right? Yeah. Like we know who we are and everything, but we when we see someone like making more money than us or like uh, doing something like buying that kind of house, they yeah. and now we are comparing ourselves rather than our core value like uh, so how, how do we actually differentiate ourselves from like finding out who we are and just stick to the same path yeah. rather than like following other people i'm going to give you two answers to that question sure the first question to what's enough and what's good enough mm. it only makes sense to us within a social context yeah you know you've reached a certain level of professional success in your life, Russell, and compared to, you know, 99% of people in the world, you know, yeah. you're doing pretty great, but compared to Bill Gates, 
Elon Musk, you're kind of a loser yeah. and when it comes to financial, when it comes to financial success. <laughs> and you could say the same thing in any aspect of your life. You know, you're a, you're a pretty smart guy, but you know, compare yourself to Alan Turing or Einstein and you're a bit of a dullard. You know, so what, what does it mean to be good enough? What does it mean to be successful enough? What does it mean to be smart enough? All that stuff. What does it mean to be charitable enough? Yeah. These questions only make sense in our social context. So who are your peers? Who are, your, who are you comparing yourself to? Yeah. And uh, you know, Al Pacino, the actor, has, uh, has a quote that if you want to be the best actor you can be, then you need to join you need to be part of the best performances that you could join. And it doesn't matter if you don't have any lines, you could be an right. extra, but if you want to be the, if you want to become the best actor, you could be hang out with great people, which is very different. If you want to be a star, if you want to be a star, you only join things where you could be a star. And it doesn't matter if it's a community theater performance that only three people are going to see. If you want to be a star, that's the path to be a star. Who are your peers? If your goal is to be the best, then hang out with people who are inferior to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that. If your goal is to grow, hold up, hang out with people who are a couple steps ahead of you. Yeah. And that might change over time. And then if I could get a little metaphysical with you for a minute, you're going to talk about envy, desire. Yeah. There's two kinds of desire. There's desire that's grasping. I want I want more money, I want more power, I want more sex, I want more respect, I want more prestige, whatever it is. Desire that's grasping. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting these things. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, most people have goals that they want more of these things. But if that's your primary goal in life, it's empty. Yeah. It, desire that is grasping, it separates us from the world. It turns the people around us instead of being human beings that are deserving of our love and mm. respect, it turns them into obstacles who are in our way. It turns them into vehicles to get what we want. And if they can't help us or hurt us, then they're relevancies that don't matter at all. It, it, yeah. it brings out, it separates us from the rest of the world. It, it, it clouds reality, it clouds our judgment. And it's very unfulfilling. Uh, you know, you work hard to achieve some goal, you enjoy it for 15 minutes, maybe if you're lucky a week, and then you're on to the next thing. They say the average Olympic gold medalist falls into a depression for two years afterwards. Right. They've worked their entire life to yeah. want to be the best. And then they're the best. And then they stop doing whatever it was that they were the best at and life has no meaning. And they go into depression. In contrast to desire that's grasping is desire that, that flows from purpose. <clears throat> and desire that flows from purpose, it brings out the best in us. It connects us to the world. It brings out the fullness of our, our, of our humanity. And desire that flows from purpose is naturally energizing. It's joyful. It feels effortless, even if we're putting in a lot of work. Yeah. And there's no one to compare yourself to. And I, I, I said a few minutes ago, your purpose has to be bigger than yourself. You can't just be about you because you'll always be found wanting, even if your purpose is something noble, like spiritual attainment. If you can never reach perfection, it's impossible. All we can do is look at where we are right now. Yeah. 
talking about accepting what is and finding joy in it. I mean, the next moment, you could have a goal if you want it to be different, but this moment is inevitable. There is nowhere you could be right now that on this call with me. <clears throat> in a moment, you could disconnect, you could hang up, you could decide out you want to talk with someone with more hair, you could do whatever you want, but this moment's inevitable. But this next moment, <clears throat> if you have a goal, if you want it to be different, fantastic. Look at what's missing. And then what are the actions that you need to take to bridge that gap? If we could accept this moment the way it is. It's true. And if we could have a goal to act from our purpose, then all that action is joyful and there's nothing to compare ourselves to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you in this. So, yeah. So, Jonathan, we are running out of time for this podcast. I know we spoke uh, a lot in regards to who we are. So those who listeners are listening, if they want to find out uh, who you are and your company, your website, and want to work with you or reach out to you, what's the best place to find you? The easiest place to reach me is on my website, uh, okay. www.untangled-coaching.com. Don't forget the dash, untangled-coaching.com. There you can see my programs, how to get in touch with me. Yeah. Um, I mentioned there are five reasons why entrepreneurs who are working so hard don't achieve the life and business that they hope. Not knowing who you are is just the first. Yeah. The next step is to, is do you have, do you know where you're going? Do you have a compelling vision? We could do a whole show on that. How to, have, how to create a compelling vision that magnetically draws you forward. If you know who you are and you know where you're going, well, do you know how to get there? What are all the steps? What are the skills that you need? Right. And if you know who you are, where you're going and how to get there, and you're still not accomplishing your goals, well, then there's an obstacle. Maybe it's in front of you. And mm. How do we remove that obstacle or go around it? Or most interestingly and most profoundly, an obstacle that's inside of you, yeah. usually in the form of a self-limiting belief, <clears throat> an assumption about the world that has you sabotaging yourself. So that it feels like you have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. Yeah. That's what I do, Russell. Yeah. Thank you so much for that sharing. Yeah. So, yeah, I really appreciate you joining and coming on this podcast show and sharing your valuable lesson to our podcast uh, listeners. And I really appreciate it, man. So, thank you so much again. And I wish you best of luck with your career and business and your life. And you have a wonderful day ahead and rest of the year. It was great fun. Thank you, Russell. Thank you. So that's it up, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Uh, you know how to find Jonathan. Go check out his website if you want to work with him or reach out to him and learn more about like finding uh, how to be who you are and find your why and vision. And check out his stuff. And till then, talk to you in the next episode. Stay safe, stay healthy. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.